Okay, welcome to P Factor. Our guest today is Dan Guo from Reap. Welcome, my friend. It's great to be here. Um, obviously, our paths have crossed numerous times before, so I'm glad we're uh, we're touching base again. Yeah, you know, you're a very valued uh, friend and a very valued partner of Payment Asia, and uh, it's exciting to have you today to talk about all things Reap all things Web3 and some of the exciting journey you guys have been on over the last five years. You guys kicked off in 2018, right? We did. Um, and as most startups should, I think we've been evolving, adapting to some of the changes that we see, some of the things that we've been hearing from our users, both new and old. So excited to share some of those learnings and insights and you know, brainstorm how we can continue to grow together. Yeah, magic. You know, and you mentioned that we uh, we go back a little while, and you know, back in 2018, 2019, uh, I was working for Zero out of the uh, small WeWork in Wan Chai, Hong Kong, and I remember looking out of our small office into your even smaller office, where it was just you and Kevin uh, starting this uh, this amazing startup. And the journey started there, so I'm really excited to get to understand more about that. How you guys kicked things off at Reap. Yeah, you were there from the, from the inception of the business when it's just two folks with a dream. And uh, I think, you know, in spite of all of the, the, the growth that we've had recently, this is very much still the beginning for us. I think there's a ton of problems left to be sold, um, are sort of solved. And I think the some of the, you know, new opportunities that we have identified and some of the other potential value that we can continue to add to our customers is very, very exciting. So we're excited to continue the journey there. Good stuff. Let's get into it. I want to start off at the beginning about how you guys got started. Came from a big company. You know, you had a, you know, I'm sure a lot of opportunities to stay there. And, you know, you took the plunge and you've used your um, imaginations to deliver something new to the market, which is, you know, which is what we need, which is, you know, the concept of fintech, right? To come and disrupt and, uh, and create uh, opportunities for businesses to take something on that they wouldn't have normally had. So well done. I'm so, uh, I'm so lucky. I'm really proud to have been able to see you guys uh, deliver. And man, like $40 million raised at the end of last year at a time where people generally weren't able to pick up that amount of attention or investment. Like, how did that come about? Like, you know, what's, uh, what's the story behind your ability to de deliver such a big raise for the business in 2022? Yeah, I think, you know, for, for us, the, the fundraise is a culmination of obviously starting with the team, right? And then yeah. Kevin and myself, um, we're pretty unique. We have a pretty unique relationship in the sense that we've known each other for, for 20 years. We've been best friends for 20 years. And there's a certain degree of trust there that mm -hmm. I think is, um, in, you know, invaluable. And, um, I was best man at his wedding. He will be best man at my wedding. So I yeah. think that that I think culmination of, of um, I guess experience and, and trust really resulted in um, for us to be able to build something special. But I think for us, um, the the key there I think is adaptability, right? I think when it comes to fintech and uh, financial services in general, especially over the last few years, it's been moving at a pace. Everything from regulations to licensing to um, the needs of the users now to th certain things like crypto, it's evolving very, very quickly. And I think for us, we've always been very iterative and uh, trying to get 1% better every single day. Um, so through that, I think adaptability becomes a key tenant for everything that we do, right? So, um, I mean, obviously we started off as, uh, as a payments company, 
really trying to sort of solve the, the ability to digitize finances through the sending and receiving of payments. But then when we realized, um, even as a fintech company, that we were able to raise money, the, the corporate credit card experience that we were given by some of the traditional providers just wasn't really adequate enough to help scale out some of our financial operations. So really trying to solve our own problem and decided to issue a better software-enabled corporate credit card that focuses on connectivity, focuses on access um, for global businesses of all shapes and sizes. And through our um, spend management and corporate credit card program, we work with folks like you know Binance and Sampo Insurance and Amber to really orchestrate success by digitizing their finances and finding a way to streamline their financial operations. And then I think that really started to resonate with a lot of different types of customers. So that's helped us obviously scale to where we are today. But you know honestly, the the, the raise is just the beginning for us, right? There's a, a ton of opportunity that we see, and we've been I guess pretty lucky to have the right capital partners, Payment Asian included, to be able to help us um, build the right product suites and really ultimately scale to serve bigger and better customers over time. That's amazing, you know what? It, we're, and we're so happy and we're proud to be part of that recent raise and uh, you know, showcases the strength in the economy in Hong Kong when it comes to the future and focusing on the future. Hey, you, you know, there's a bit to unpack in what you just said. Going back to your relationship with Kevin, like that trust piece, like almost being like brothers, you know, like kind of growing together, building the future together. That foundation, I think that stays with like the uh, the energy you push into the team. You like, and you mentioned the team there as well. It's like, like how many people are working at Reap today? A little over 55. Cool. We just crossed that threshold. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a big growth trajectory over the last three or four years. And, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, that's evolving with the business as you change and evolve as a company as well, right? So to your point, right, my understanding at the beginning was expansion management, payments, like what is REAP today? And what do you see REAP being in a year's time, two years time? What's the vision? Yeah, so I think we really see ourselves as more of this financial services platform and we're trying to really build out the ecosystem to provide not just corporate credit cards, mm -hmm. but everything from payments to now treasury to doing more unique things for the Web3 segment specifically. What we find is that businesses, um, similar to the way they think about banks, are is really the one-stop shop, right? They mm -hmm. provide uh, either services and products directly, or they have the right partners to be able to build out and provide a more comprehensive experience for, for the user. And when it comes to financial services, it's often involves a lot more trust and security because of the nature of what you're helping um, provide efficiencies for. And therefore, you know, in order to establish that trust with us as a platform, um, they, you know, it, there's a very natural progression of trying to get other types of um, of value from you and, mm -hmm. and hopefully you're able to find ways to deliver that. I think for us very specifically, um, the corporate credit card is obviously our wedge, our, our sort of a landing spot to be able to acquire and start the relationship with a lot of these users. But as they evolve and they, they sort of facilitate more transaction on, on, on us, as we build more credibility um, with them as a trusted partner, there's a ton of other products that we, we have in the pipeline. So everything from the REAP treasury side, where we want to give uh, yield and interest um, in the form of a U.S. treasury 
and T-bills back to our users. This is one example of something that, you know, very organically happened through our platform, through the relationships and the conversations that we've had with users. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we also want to evolve based on trends that we see from a macro basis. So Web3 uh, and crypto is obviously something I think Hong Kong as a whole is incredibly excited to try and um, I guess power and enable for a lot of new entrepreneurs everywhere. And we want to be a part of that story and enable growth for that particular segment as well. So there's a lot of um, infrastructure projects that we're working on with them. And hopefully as they become design partners for us, we can um, find ways to be able to distribute it and, and you know, add value to a broader you know, array of different clients all over the world. Yeah. So a lot of ex exciting momentum that's driven out of Hong Kong. And that's the part that I'm most proud of, right? First and foremost, we started in Hong Kong and I think Hong Kong has a very um, high chance and probability of owning uh, one of the frontier technologies and uh, innovations that we've seen in the form of blockchain. So if we can find a way to enable growth and find ways to connect that to the world, real world and the real world asset side, I think that's gonna help, um, I guess, normalize that technology and also be able to translate it in a way that you know everyone can understand, right? So that's sort of um, how I think about the future. Yeah, and it does, a lot of it comes back to the trust piece, right? People, I remember maybe six, seven years ago when I was um, working in cross-border myself, um, we, uh, at the, an old company I worked for called Bucks, we uh, signed a relationship with OKLink, which was OKCoin. Yep. And at the time, the blockchain structure was seen as being like, unknown, untrustworthy, you know, unsecure, but it wasn't, you know, if people hadn't developed the confidence in it. Fast forward to this week, last week, and you've got the new VASP uh, licensing, the regime opening up in Hong Kong. You guys have clearly, you know, moved ahead, you know, of the pack, I would say, right? You were forward thinking with regards to that opportunity broadening. What do you think that does to the landscape in Asia? What does it, what does it leave Hong Kong with regards to like the pack when it comes down to leading Web3 innovation? Yeah, uh, I think your, your, your point about sort of like, there's going to be incremental, um, I would say improvements at every single um, time there's this paradigm shift, right? If you think about in the internet when it was first created, it mm -hmm. also was fraught with you know, different issues um, and, and you know the trust and security part was also very lacking. But nowadays we can book a car from a random stranger and yeah. step into that car. We can book a random person's place from all over the world. And that's sort of enabled by the internet infrastructure and economy. And that's incredible to see. Um, I see blockchain technology in a very similar manner where, where if the new wave of internet enabled businesses are built on the sort of trustless blockchain system, I think there's going to be a lot of value that can be created there. Um, we're very excited about some of the new regulatory developments, right? Um, I think VASP and the Hong Kong government has done a pretty good job in building up a better brand to be able to welcome some of the new projects and new innovators to be able to come and see Hong Kong as this place where you can drive innovation, you can drive growth for the value added services that you're building. Um, and I think it provides more clarity for, for us, but also for everyone else that's you know, evaluating on where in the world they can you know, find ways to be able to, to, to truly innovate, right? And, and I think that clarity and consistency is going to be key for entrepreneurs. 
Um, so I'm you know, excited to be supporting and trying try to find ways to um, provide insights and advice where we can, but also at the same time, uh, follow some of the, the, the uh, regimes and the ordinances fairly closely to make sure that we are also innovating in a way that's sort of uh, copacetic and above board with a lot of the, folk, uh, the regulatory bodies that we're working with. Yeah, absolutely critical, right? To stay across compliance, across the, um, the, the fast pace of change that's happening in crypto generally. Um, so, you know, that's as well as, right? So you, you're focusing on Web3 reasonably recently, I'd say in the journey of the last five years. Where do you see like your, your core focus for um, SMEs or, or mid-sized businesses in Hong Kong at the moment? Like how does REAP help your average business live a better life? Or how do you help them in, in their digital transformation journey, which is the classic cliche way of saying, you know, get your stuff off paper, get it into the, uh, into the cloud somehow. Like what's your kind of modus operandi with that? Yeah, so I think when it comes to digitization, um, this is something that we've seen not just from digital or technical businesses, right? I think a lot of the SMEs of the world are also seeing the benefits of what it means to really be embracing and um, cherishing sort of this internet economy. Um, and COVID, of, of all the you know negative byproducts, this is mm. probably one of the things that was positive where they were able to realize very, very sort of viscerally exactly what advantages they can gain by being more digitally efficient and, and uh, the propensity to sort of digitize more of their infrastructure and financial operations um, becomes a, a competitive advantage as opposed to just purely a cost center. For us, I think it really starts with the payment side, right? If you think about payments, it is the lifeblood of a lot of businesses. It's the direct point of entry that they first think about when it comes to the journey of digitization. Mm -hmm. Everything from e-commerce to um, being able to work with international customers that they wouldn't be able to reach before. These are all some of the amazing, as I would say, positive externalities that can come from digitization. And at the end of the day, small businesses, Web3, enterprises, I think growth is often top of mind. And I think if we can convert them to think about digitization as a function of growth as opposed to a function of cost, I think that's the, I would say, transformation in terms of mindset that will have really strong trickle down effects in terms of digitizing other aspects of their business. And we follow a very sort of similar user journey. We, we start working with them on the payment side. Um, we issue them a corporate credit card, and then they start to see some of the spend controls, the virtual cards that we're able to issue, the payables management that we're able to provide. And they're able to not just sort of buy our story, but feel the change as mm -hmm. they incorporate some of these um, transformations into their you know, financial operations. And by actually seeing it and feeling it, not from just the corporate finance level, but from employees not having to go through expenses and you know, stapling receipts into, onto a piece of paper to get finance to approve, as they go through some of these user experience um, enhancements, this is where they're, they truly get, get the aha moment, right? That we're all looking for on, on the product side. I think that's something that we want to continue cultivating. And I think some of the new products that we have developing will, um, I would say, sort of lead the chart on, on some of these mindset changes over time. Yeah, you know what's funny, you used aha. And in my, mind, in my own mind, I had like a light bulb moment. I was gonna say, I think you're creating 
light bulb moment for businesses, small and large, right? Where they can see the benefits. And it's funny, you, you, you've dialed back to, uh, to the 20, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, the, the dawn of the internet age and whatnot. And, um, you know, I think even 10, 15 years ago, people were still reluctant to use like online banking. You know what I mean? Like people were still going with their paper, queuing up at the bank. Now, you know, people are like, well, some people will still do that. You've got laggards that will still want to hold on to that passbook, but the majority of people are confident now of going in to their into their banking and, and managing payments, managing their accounts, even looking at their wealth structure, right? So I think, um, you know, the evolution of the fintech world has impacted not only the new fintech companies that have come out over the last 10, 15 years, but also the big banks and whatnot, right? Those guys have been forced to digitize because of the innovations of companies like Reap. Um, I think um, one of the interesting things that I would love to understand more about Reap is that I was, at one point, I remember being in a meeting with you at Visa's HQ in Singapore. Like, so like, what are your, what's your span? Like what's Reap's coverage across Asia? You mentioned you've got global aspirations. What's the, what's the long-term view, the picture for Reap? Yeah, I think when it comes to financial services and FinTech, um, it's actually typically a regional type of play, mm. right? Um, I think the only financial services or one of the only ones that has truly sort of transcended geographic boundaries is Visa and MasterCard right. and networks, right? If mm. you think about payment methods in China, Alipay and WeChat Pay, it's very much a domestic product. Bank accounts are not cross-border where you can use your bank account to pay for different products and services when you travel. Um, of all of the, I would say, legacy players and, you know, I would say traditional players, Visa and MasterCard have done a phenomenal job in connecting financial services across the world. Yeah. You can take a Hong Kong card and be able to use it in Europe, in, in North America, in LATAM, as long as it's part of the Visa network. Mm -hmm. And I think that enables us to um, be able to reach some of the, our global aspirations a lot faster because we have such a strong partner in Visa to be able to get us there. Yeah. So I think for us, um, we think about uh, some of the, the, the learnings that we've had in, in Asia and how it can apply to other places all over the world. And by working with Visa, we can bring some of our solutions to them. So because a lot of the, the, the issues and pain points that they're facing is very similar to the ones that we've learned about. And it's about incorporating their needs into our roadmap and finding ways to solve them. So I think Visa is a very strong partner for us there um, to be able to get, uh, do so. I think the other interesting aspect about global is um, being in Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong, as we know, is, has always been the financial hub of, of Asia. They've been able to attract conglomerates and international companies for decades now. Mm -hmm. So the, as a result of that, the infrastructure we're able to get advantage of in terms of banking, multi-currency, enables us to work a lot with different types of companies all over the world. So I think that advantage is something that's not lost on me. And I think Hong Kong has such a head start when it comes to the financial infrastructure side that people don't actually realize. Um, even in places like Silicon Valley or where I used to work, um, the, the access and the infrastructure is actually not as good as the ones that I've experienced in Hong Kong. So I think there's a lot of um, 
you know, development that can happen and better branding that can showcase Hong Kong as a place where fintech can thrive. And if we can find a way to, um, I guess, uh, inform and educate the world of the advantages here, I think there's going to be a lot more innovation that can happen and be driven out of Hong Kong. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Hong Kong, um, I think over the last few years, you know, Hong Kong has been seen as somewhere that has been shrinking in its global impact with regards to financial services, but living here hasn't really felt like that. It felt, it's felt like other places have grown, but Hong Kong hasn't shrunk. And I think that the recent, um, you know, we were participants and we, we had a big booth at the Hong Kong FinTech Week uh, in um, October last year. And it was amazing to see the amount of innovation, the amount of focus on Web3 products as well was just like, it was the vanguard piece. It was the, the normalized piece, but seemed like it was from the future, you know? So, you know, is that really gonna be like the number one focus for you guys now is like leaning into more enterprise businesses or and Web3 businesses that are focusing like in that crypto space are you still focusing at all on traditional merchants and SMEs and whatnot? What's the like kind of percentage split in your, of your mindset right now, Fareed? Yeah, I think the way I think about it is that there's going to be have to be a convergence between these two worlds that seems to be you know worlds apart mm. right, today. But I think for us, our role is to really act as the bridge between traditional businesses and some of the new digital assets, digital finances, and digital solutions in general that is available and you know relevant and you know hugely value add for a lot of these businesses. So as an example, um, we work with traditional traders, um, folks that are, have been trading commodities and things of that nature in, in Hong Kong for decades. Um, they work with a lot with um, uh, I would say emerging markets where currencies are can be volatile. Um, and, and unstable and stable coins as an example mm -hmm. could be very much a hugely important piece to be able to normalize and I would say stabilize a lot of their currency and treasury management side, right? So this is an ex just one example of many where traditional companies can very much leverage some of the new innovations and developments of crypto assets and web the Web3 world. A lot of folks th think about the metaverse and some of these really crazy, um, I would say, sort of uh, exotic ideas of, of sorts. But I think there's actually a lot more tangible benefits uh, of, of Web3 and crypto that we want to be the education layer for, for the, uh, for, for the companies both on the traditional side and on some of the more crypto native and Web3 side. I think that the, the role of Hong Kong, I think, is going to be important here. Because I think when it comes to frontier technology development, uh, whether it's AI, right, whether it's uh, autonomous vehicle, uh, things of that nature, it's going to be very difficult for Hong Kong to have a role there just because of talent, because of infrastructure, right? It's hard to imagine autonomous vehicles driving up the hill <laughs> of, the, of the peak in that way. Um, but I think when it comes to crypto and, and Web3, there's a very much a um, a non-zero chance that we can become one of the world leaders for that. And, and that's a very, very exciting to be a part of, especially in the early days, right? So if we can find a way to, uh, a, you know, better bridge some of the Web 2 and Web 3 understandings at, at the financial infrastructure level, at the regulatory level, there's going to be a lot of benefits at the end of the day for all of the businesses and, the, and especially the small businesses that are in abundance in Hong Kong. Yeah. 
I think as well, right? You know, I look at the um, the road that Reap has taken over the last five years and you know, I know that you're a very sticky business. So a lot of those people that joined you in 2019, 2020, they've been on that journey with you. And it goes back to some of the first things we talked about here. The fact that you're moving or you've moved into the Web3 world and now you're focusing there, that develops or garners trust from them to move with you, to, to try, maybe try out you know, a world that they thought was separate from them. You know, they've probably joined you at that point to enable themselves to get access to a credit and a credit card that they couldn't get access to from whatever reasons, traditional banks in the past. But now with you guys, they're able to get on board and now they're able to accelerate into, well, like I just touched on kind of the future in their minds, you know, by um, suddenly becoming part of the Web3 world. So as educators, but you're, you know, you're, you're bringing people along and educating them on the journey rather than trying to like convince people to join you at the same time. So that's amazing. And the fact that people trust you enough to keep on track and keep with you, it, it says everything about the quality of your product. Obviously, you've, I know you guys have done an amazing job of making sure that the onboarding journey is amazing and the customer service journey for, for, uh, for clients is, uh, is top notch. So that's beautiful. Okay, so you know we've, we're coming towards the end of the, the our journey here, Darren. So you know, give me like, how do we get hold of like Reap? How do I, if I'm an SME in Hong Kong, or if I'm an enterprise business that's looking to expand and get access to your services, like, what's the best way to move forward? And what advice would you give me to get started with Reap? Yeah, I, uh, I think. For us, we've really tried to make the onboarding and sort of discovery process as easy as possible. So everything from the onboarding registration, account activation process can all be done seamlessly online without human intervention if needed. Obviously, we as a financial services platform, um, you know, hum getting in touch with humans is quite important for that trust side and for the education side. So we're very much available through our website at reap.global. Um, we have uh, support on multiple channels in the form of WhatsApp, uh, you know, Telegram, Intercom, email, obviously. So I think we, if there is any questions uh, that users can have, we're, we're always there to handle. And um, the other aspect is we are global-minded, right? So we have support folks in Europe and in Malaysia to be able to provide um, you know, essentially 24-7 coverage uh, across all of the time zones for our global clients. Um, so if you want a card, if you want to be able to streamline and automate a lot of your expense management process, uh, feel free to reach out at, uh, at you know, reap.global and we'll be happy to help. Fantastic. And obviously you're a very highly valued and important partner of Payment Asia. Um, you know, we, we look at Reap as a, an amazing extension of our services and you can click through and find your, um, your site on our site as well. Like all good partnerships should be, it's a, uh, a, a collaboration and uh, we're very proud to have you as a partner. And I'm really proud to have you here today, Darren. You've always been a super affable guy. Like I said, you know, seeing you guys grow from two to 55, from really like kind of focused on one or two things to now having 
you know, seven or eight key parts of your product and building it out to becoming a proper fintech platform is just, uh, it's a thing of dreams, my friend, and I'm really, really happy your dreams are coming true. And uh, we look forward to seeing more success from Reap over the coming years. Thank you for your support along the way, and I'm sure we'll have another conversation in the near future. Yeah, TBC for sure. Thanks, mate.